did you kill Marlene Johnson? I think you're one of the first people to have actually asked. From WBUR and ZSP Media, this is Beyond All Repair, a new podcast about an unsolved murder that will leave you questioning everything. Wow, it just gets more interesting. Beyond All Repair. Listen and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. The following episode contains graphic language. Listener discretion is advised. You are listening to Season 2 of Someone Knows Something from CBC Radio. Previously on SKS. I do regret my actions, like especially the sex part. Oh, I do. He's sitting on my couch. He has um, his shirt off. And on his left side, there's a pretty good bite mark. Like the bottom teeth went in. I think that she's credible, personally. At the beginning, I know that she was not telling us the whole truth. It's frustrating because I do regret in every being of my soul that he didn't say something sooner to the detectives. I gave Mr. Lavoie exactly what he wanted. I'm telling you, I'm not finished with this. I'm going to keep on going. This is Episode 6, Stepbrother. Mark, how are you? I'm good, how are you doing? Not too bad. Nice to see you. You ready to do this now? Yeah, for sure. So this is just all my audio recording stuff here. Certainly, yeah. I've met Mark Dempsey behind a two-story building with a derelict dentist office sign on the front. It's a job site and he's working with a small crew on the outside walls doing cement and stucco. Mark's about five foot eight with a flushed face and radiant blue bloodshot eyes. He's wearing a faded red cap that says Redskins and a dirty white t-shirt and shorts. Mark Dempsey is Michael Lavoie's stepbrother. Good enough, thanks, James. Just grab that wall for me, man. Grab that scaffold for me, the green ones, okay? It's under the stairs, right? Yep, yep, thanks, man. Great. So are you guys are working inside somewhere here? No, I'm working on the exterior of the building there. A stucco guy, right? Uh, exterior wall system expert. Yeah. Uh, I do exterior wall systems. We do it for 27 years. Before doing 27 years as a plasterer, Mark did three years in jail. And he's got a fairly florid way of speaking, so if you're hesitant about cursing on the airwaves, you might want to turn down the volume. What jail were we in? Don- not the Don jail. Every jail. The three-year... I mean, in Regina, friggin' Sudbury, Sault Ste. Marie, Mimico, the East, the West, the Dawn. Yeah. The Dawn's my favorite jail, though. Why? It's just... It's just it was okay. <laughs> yeah. The three and a half years in jail, right? But, you know, I made sure... I quit that shit. You know, I've been doing this stuff for 27 years now. You know, I made sure I found something that I could be good at and not have to go to jail. You know, I don't want to go to jail. Fuck that shit. I've seen those guys in there at 40 and 50. Fuck that. I'm not going to be that. I got out when I was 23 and I fucking 
did a bunch of other jobs and uh, found Stockel and I've been sticking at it for 27 years now and you know that's my uh, mandate in life right now you know it's a tough job but somebody's gotta do it well he's got so much fucking work to do it's just never ending never never ending despite being so busy Marcus agreed to take a break from stuccoing on this hottest of summer days to chat with me about his stepbrother Mike Lavoie how do you know Mike? My my dad married his mom. Like me and Mike were really tight. Like I've known him since he's ten years old, right? Like when we were kids, like we played hockey together and you know, I was like an old, the older brother to him, right? Like, you know, he embraced us, you know what I mean? Because when they got married, Pat and, and your Pat dad and my dad you know, I don't know how old I was, maybe 12 or 13 then, right? You know, so they've been together a long, long time. Mark grew up with Mike. They've shared friends and a job, and as we've heard, both had intimate relations with Sheila Darbison. Sheila says she and Mark were over in early October 1997, but Mark remembers it a month later. I quit Sheila in November, okay? And I was really upset then, you know, like, from splitting up with Sheila, okay? Um, you know, I kind of went off my rocker a little bit because, you know, I had three kids with her and, you know, I loved her, right? So, uh, you know, and then when I found out she was fucking Mike, I just, you know, if it was any other guy, it'd be different, you know what I mean? But, uh, you know, I didn't even know she was with Mikey, okay? Until I was laying on my mom's bed, and I said, well, I want to make visitation with the children, right? And uh, Mikey come in, and I was, I was on the phone with Sheila, and I said, give me a minute. I said, I'm on the phone with Sheila. And he got a funny look in his eye, right? And fuck, I knew he was fucking my ex right, right there and then. Like, absolutely, right? Oh, yeah. He ran right out of my mom's house. And he was gone. <laughs> he was gone. Mark maintains that Sheila started calling Mike Lavoy in the December before Cheryl disappeared. But in Sheila's version, the timing's a bit earlier. In late October or November, that those first calls were made. Sheila started calling Mike in December. Yeah, in December that The year. December that Cheryl yeah. disappeared. And she was driving down there and fucking putting notes in his door, my dad's door, where Mike lived right at that time, right? Michael Lavoie, during the time he was with Cheryl, would stay on and off at Cheryl and Odette's apartment, and in the off times at his mother Pat and stepdad Bill's place. I'm gonna fuck my fucking woman, my fucking wife, and not even tell me. Even though I'm not with her, you know, like, at least have the fucking decency to say something, you know? Fuck. Mark's still emotional about what he sees as a betrayal. Sheila outlined her experiences with Michael, but I am still interested in the timing of the relationship that started, on the phone at least, before Cheryl disappeared. 
Mark has more to say about all of it, but something bizarre happens before we get to that. What happened? They brought me blind. Where? Last night. They took everything out of the trunk. All my, my car battery and everything. Get the hell out of here. The car we're standing next to was broken into last night, and the owner finds out. No friggin' way. Yep, they went through the whole car. Just cleaned me out. Son I had the weed whacker in there, so I had to go to the other place. Right, yeah. Gone. I had a backup battery for my truck. Yeah. Gone. Yeah. Get out they of here. Me right out. How'd they get in there? I have no idea. Son of a gun. Wowee. So he was robbed last night? Yeah. Was he parked right here? Yeah. He's got cameras, eh? So. Oh, yeah, this is a like, bad fucking neighborhood, like I said. Like, I'm scared for my tools, for Jay's sake, okay? <laughs> he just found out. He just went to check his trunk and fucking everything's gone. Seems like a pretty active neighborhood, but we soon get back into talking about Michael Lavoy. I used to work with him. I worked with him. What did you do together? We did uh, Video One Canada. And we worked together. What's Video One Canada? It's a... Uh, a distribution company for uh, VHS recordings. That was the receiver, he was the shipper. Videos. VHS. Back in the day. What What was it on the tapes? Oh, there's no sex at all. They're all Pixar. You they're... knew what I was asking. Yeah, no, not. They didn't have zero of that. Zero, zero, zero of that. This is a really respectable company. Did you ever see him undertake any criminal act that you can tell me about? Oh, certainly. So what kinds of things was being stolen at the time? Just robbing, robbery, money, always money. Always money. It's all about money, right? Yeah, yeah. Houses, people. Everything, you know, like, like, fucking grab your wallet out of your pocket, okay? If you think you're tough enough to get it back, go ahead and try. Absolutely. <laughs> I notice a faded and wrinkled cobra tattoo on Mark's arm. You got the cobra when you had bigger arms? Oh, I got that when I was 17 in Thunder Bay. Michael, what kind of a guy is he? Like, what do you know? What kind of person he is? I've known him since like ten years old. You know what I mean? So yeah, he's a. Uh, I guess you know, for a guy, a newspaper delivery guy, it's pretty arrogant. <laughs> like, Mark refers here to the fact that Michael Lavoy delivers papers to apartment buildings. I don't know. I have a lot of confidence in myself. You know. And, I taught him to have a lot of confidence, right? I, you know, I, like I said, he's my brother, right? So I taught him to have a lot of confidence in himself and everything, right? So did you ever see Michael hit anybody or be aggressive towards? Oh anybody? yeah, we fight. We got lots of fights. Yeah, we got lots of fights. You know what I mean? Like, Craig, you're coming down Young Street, bro. <laughs> Yeah, I'm a little bit racist, you know, like... Michael? Oh, the whole family, you know what I mean? You get a little, you get a little shoulder action, trust me, you know, and, you know, you go out drinking lots and 
partying, right? So. I ask Mark about Cheryl, and he remembers vividly the last time he saw her, before she disappeared, around Christmas 1997. December 18th, Sheila lent me her car, which she would never friggin' do, okay? And then the front, brand new tires that week. Front, front tire blows. I don't know. And I was doing 120 on the going to Hamilton. I don't know what the fuck was going on, but that was a weirdo fucking day for me, okay? Now that I think back, and then Mikey's just really pressed me to come to the bar to have a beer and meet Cheryl too, right? On December 18th? Yeah. You know, Mikey's like, come to this bar, come to this bar, and he brought Cheryl there too, right? And I, I just want to say hi, Merry Christmas, and that's it, right? I think, you know, what was going on, right? You know, like, why why did he want to meet me with his girlfriend right at the bar, right? That's the last time I seen her. And then I, I seen the thing on CC, CHCH TV, right? Which was what? Um, when he uh, proposed to her, right? You saw that come out live on TV? Uh, not live. I seen it the next day or something like that, yeah. But I seen that on the TV, right? Well, right on, right? And then all of a sudden you get in reports that she's not around no more, right? You know, hopefully uh, what you're doing and your endeavor works. I'd like to see some justification for Cheryl. She was a beautiful girl, you know? I never ever wanted to fuck her or nothing. I just, she was like a really, really nice person, you know, I, she was a gorgeous girl, you know, she's, anytime, I only met her a few times, but she's always been really nice and never seen nothing, nothing, she's not a whore either, she worked Tim Hortons, okay. And what about the business of the stripping, and she wanted the strip and was going to Niagara Falls, and he took her no, there? No, 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 fuck, it's, I, that's hearsay, okay? That's all hearsay. It's like trying to make her a dirty bitch. That's all, you know, as far as I'm concerned, right? Did you ever know her or see her when she was dancing, Cheryl? I've never known of her to be a dancer, okay? You got a job at Tim Hortons. You know, you got a boyfriend that is controlling, okay? How are you going to be a dancer? I've never heard of Mike ever being, you know, being in a strip bar or nothing like that. So I think that's all bullshit. i tell you, in May, I went to a baseball game. And that was after she went missing, right? I looked Mikey in the eye. It's important to remember that Michael Lavoie has always maintained that he had nothing to do with the disappearance of Cheryl Shepard. Mark and others who were close to Michael Lavoie often refer to him as Mikey. He went with Michael. And my dad, yeah. My, my dad and Mike come from Hamilton. I met him at the Sky Dome. And I looked him in the eye and I said, uh, I know she's missing, right? Probably murdered, right? And I asked him, I said, uh, did you do it? Right? And he, he gave me, uh, trust me, we worked together many years, right, at the 
video on Canada and stuff like that. And he gave me the look and I was like, oh yeah, he did it. Back in 2020, the FBI claimed to have stopped a wild plot to kidnap the governor of Michigan. Thank you to the fearless FBI agents bringing these sick and depraved men to justice. The key to the investigation was an FBI informant whose recordings have never been heard by the public until now. This is about pointing rifles at politicians and squeezing the trigger. From Campside Media and Sony Music Entertainment, it's Chameleon, The Michigan Plot. Out now wherever you get your podcasts. So when you asked Michael that question, how did you say it? Did you say, did you do it? Or did you say, did you kill Cheryl Shepard? No, I didn't say it like that. I just said, uh, did you do it? That's all. I didn't, I, could, I don't have to. I just, we can read each other. I've known him since he's 10, right? So... You know, so uh, we can read each other pretty good, right? I asked him if he did it. Yeah, right. Right. And he just looked at me, and that meant yes. In my brain, anyways. In my brain, it meant yes, okay? Without a doubt in my mind, okay? He did it, okay? I can't tell you absolutely, okay? But... I'm not a dummy, okay? Like, I've known you for 10, 20 years, and I ask you a question, and I get a look, I know, okay? That's the bottom line there, right? Do you think there's any possibility that he didn't do it? Like, how to, how do you be with your woman? Propose to her, and then she's gone, like, yeah, obviously, her mom's gone away, right? She was in Nova Scotia or something like that, right? I don't know. I, I can't see how it would be anybody else, okay? In my own friggin' brain. You don't try to commit suicide three days after someone's missing, right? Isn't that like a conviction already? You know what I mean? Like, you're distressed because you did something bad, right? So I'm going to kill myself now. You know what I mean? I certainly makes sense to me. Absolutely, right? You understand? Did you ever have any questions about the police investigation? Like, did you ever wonder what they could have done differently? Or... Like, I guess if they were watching him and they fucking save him from killing himself, uh... Obviously, they're doing their job, okay? You know? Mark is pretty sure of himself, and what he says are his intuitions about Michael Lavoie's guilt. But what would Lavoie say if he actually broke his silence about the case? Eight months after Cheryl disappeared, and two or three after Mark Dempsey went to catch a Blue Jays game with Michael, Mark says the Hamilton police approached him. They wanted Mark to help them, to see if he could get Michael Lavoie to open up about the case. And did you tell me one time that you worked with the police? Yeah. They come to ask me to help them. They needed, they needed help, okay? They wanted me to get Mike to say that he did it. 
They uh, sanctioned me to come to Hamilton. So who's they? The police, the Hamilton Police Department. Um, Don, Don Forgan or something like that, right? And he was investigating the case and everything. And uh, they wanted me to get Mike in, a, in an area, either a bar or the hotel room that they rented me, right? And uh, I asked him, did you kill Cheryl Shepard? Either yay or nay, right? You know, like, uh, definite, right? So, they, they, we went to the hotel room and... Uh, you and Michael? They had it, yeah, they had it uh, stacked or whatever, right? Mic'd up and, and videoed up and that, right? And I just got off work and I was having a beer and I just went, I want to have a, have a shower and that. Um, I didn't ask him properly or something like that, like the, the right question, right? So, anyway, cops figured that I wasn't really helping them that much, right? So, so you had him in the hotel room, they had cameras going, they oh, had yeah. mics oh, on, yeah. Yeah. and you were supposed to say, hey, Michael, did you do it again? Did, did, you, did, you, kill, kill did you kill Cheryl Shepard? Like, how do you, like, they wanted you to ask that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the key. That was the key question. You know, like you just. So did the police pay you to help them? Yes, they did. Fifty dollars a day, and they rented my motel room across from the keg on the link there. Did, did the police interview you a lot about the case? No, 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 no. They just asked me to help them out and try to put it, get Mikey to put it on himself, right? Like, I didn't. I wasn't there. I didn't fucking do that. How long did you work with the police then when they asked you to try to get Michael to confess? At least two weeks. Yeah, at least two weeks. They paid for my hotel. They gave me 50 bucks a day. Yeah. And I was working at the time too, right? And I couldn't get Mike down there, you know. He come a few times, but they wanted it set up. They set up the hotel room and I was supposed to ask them a few questions, point questions in the hotel room, right? It didn't, it didn't happen. Right. You, know. you couldn't figure a way out to say it. Yeah, like, but you know how you asked me? I said, did you do it, right? Like, that doesn't mean nothing. Did you kill Cheryl Shepard? Is another word, okay? But I can't word it like that because he's, he used to be all over it. You know what I mean? He's not fucking stupid. You know, we're all fucking criminals. Like, we, we've all done time before. We're all fucking criminals. And you just keep your mouth fucking shut and you'll never get caught, okay? You know what I mean? That's how it works, right? So, you know, yeah. Retired Hamilton detective Warren Coral is reluctant to tell me much about the operation with Mark at first. When we do homicide investigations, there's a lot of different techniques that are undertaken and uh, I prefer not to talk specifically about all of those things, but there were a lot of different attempts made, and I'll leave that up to your imagination, to try and gain evidence uh, for this case. And people who we thought were genuine in helping us out let us down at different moments, and, and it was extremely frustrating. And Coral eventually shares his theory about why this particular sting operation didn't go anywhere. So for, for the Mark thing, if we choose to use what he says, he basically says that he couldn't bring himself to say 
did you do it, Mike, in the way that he was supposed to say it. But you are suggesting that he wasn't as wasn't helpful before well, that. In a roundabout way, I think Mark let Mike know that he was talking to the police. And that's why it didn't pan out. He telegraphed it somehow. He did. I think he blatantly told him. Okay. Generally, a person who has not committed a crime comes forward and assists the police. And, uh, you know, uh, Mike was known to the police, but he was, you know, certainly not some hardened criminal that, uh, that we, you know, that we would typically have people clam up on. And uh, he has just never, ever helped himself, you know, to not be a suspect in this. And, and I think that's telling. Uh, and until he, that is done, I believe that he will be, continue to be number one suspect in this matter. I think Mike can tell us a lot of different things if he really wanted to. But Mark Dempsey says Michael Lavoie will never tell them anything. He says they lived by a different kind of code. You, there's, a, there's certain codes that you use, right? And you shut your fucking mouth. That's it, right? You don't put it on yourself, right? So it's just the way it goes. As far as I'm concerned, when they find the body, then maybe you might get some kind of, some something, something, okay? Like, I don't know what, but he'll never put it on himself, okay? He'll never, never, ever put it on himself, okay? Like, now we all know the criminal law too well, okay? So, yeah. It's not, I'm not, it's not a way of life for me no more, okay? But when I was younger, mm. you know what I mean? You're not a rat. You can't be a rat. You know what I mean? You're going to get knocked out. What was your conviction, if you don't mind me asking, in, uh, when you were 18? Oh, that was for assault. Yeah. Have you been clean ever since then? No, I assaulted that guy yesterday. You assaulted that guy? I was in jail yesterday, yeah. You were in jail yesterday? Yesterday I was in jail, yeah. That's why I got a bucket of mud there fucking sitting there. At the beginning of our interview, a man on a nearby porch behind us was yelling something I couldn't catch. This is the same man that Mark is now referring to. I guess he was yelling at Mark. The day before I arrived, Mark got into a fist fight with him and spent a few hours in jail. Are you okay? That's the first time since 2002, okay? He's got a big fucking mouth. Tell me he's gonna steal my fucking drill. Cause I gotta go work in the side and I gotta work in the front. I don't wanna leave my shit here, right? You know? He's telling me he's gonna steal my fucking tools. Fucking, you know? You all right now? Oh yeah. No, I'm a little upset still. I'm really emotional right now. It's all right. Oh, fuck. You're okay. No, but, no. I hurt my feelings lots, right? Well, that's the first time, you know, I've been be in trouble since 2002, so. So what happened? Is it an arraignment or something? Or well, I'm on bail right now. I can't have direct or incorrect contact with him, okay? He's yelling at my fucking labor here. 
going with that fucking internet. And I just want to get my job done. You know, I just want to do this job. It's a tough moment for Mark, who's worried at the idea of getting sucked back into a life he says he's turned his back on. A little emotional about that, right? Because I don't, I don't belong there. You know, you know what I mean? When was the last time you talked to Michael? Uh, my dad just turned 75. Uh, I seen him when my dad turned 65. And I told my dad, so yeah, when you die, I'm knocking Mikey out <laughs> your funeral. <laughs> my dad already knows it. <laughs> I let my dad know, <laughs> at least, you know what I mean? He knows there's gonna be some fucking mayhem at his funeral. <laughs> Mark's upset about Michael Lavoie being with Sheila, but based on what I have seen and what he said, he's also interested in finding out what happened to Cheryl Shepard. Certainly, life's too short, you know, for people. I'm sorry for Cheryl to, you know, not be here today. She was a nice girl, really, you know. Yeah. Well, I'm going to let you get back to work. I know that you've spent a lot of time with me. So I'm planning to talk to Michael Lavoie's ex-partner, Gwen. So before I go, I ask Mark about her. Tell me about Gwen. She's a nice little girl. Had the kids with him, right? You know, certainly I know the, the girls, all three of them, right? You know, and... Uh, you know, she moved out west. She got the fuck out of Dodge. And, uh, did you talk to Gwen at all? Not yet, I'm going to. Oh, okay. I am going to. We've figured out where Gwen works, and I'm planning to drive out there with Odette. Okay, man, well, thanks very much for your time. Okay, no problem, Dave. Don't lose the car. It doesn't yeah, matter, I'll sure. it anyway. Yeah, much appreciated. Thanks a lot, man. I leave Mark at his worksite with the sun beating down on his stucco and scaffolding. I like his openness about his experiences with Michael Lavoie, the Blue Jays game, how he worked with police or didn't. He reminds me of many people I've met in my life who struggle through it and hope for something better despite a modeled past that can sometimes overtake them. He stepped up and told me what he knew, and that takes me back to thinking about Gwen. She also has a story to tell, and I need her to tell it, but before I get too far in planning that trip, I get a call from Odette. Hello. Hello, uh, David. Oh, hi, Odette. How are you? I haven't been feeling good at all. Oh, you haven't been feeling good? Oh. No, my nerve is really acting up right now. Oh. So, so what do you think we should do then? Dad, I don't know. So we have it all in place. It's just a matter of if you're able to go or not. Yeah. So what do you, what's your thoughts? Odette says her nerves are frayed and that she can't go on the trip after all. So I'll be hitting the road myself, off to cross the country, to see if I can talk to Gwen, 
one of the key people in Michael Lavoie's life and whose children were with Michael across that weekend in early January 1998 when Cheryl disappeared. You have been listening to Episode 6, Stepbrother. Visit cbc.ca slash sks to see photos of Mark Dempsey and learn more about the case. Someone Knows Something is hosted, written, and produced by David Ridgen and mixed by Cecil Fernandez. The series is also produced by Chris Oak, Steph Kampf, and executive producer Arif Nurani. Our theme music is by Bob Wiseman, with vocals by Mary Margaret O'Hara and Jess Reimer. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.